Delander, the Oilers off sharp angle, shot, he scores! Here's Seaver, great circle, fires, he scores! Oh, it's leveled by Andrew Shaw with a thunderous check. Here's a loose puck in front, they score! It's on! Shoot, he scores! The cat connects with a one-timer. It's time for another episode of Blackhawks Crazy. Presented by FanList. Keith will move it ahead to Shaw. To Doc over the Sabre line down the left. Hey, he scores! Kirby Doc! Here's Doc with the back and he scores! Kirby Doc! The first two-goal night of Kirby Doc's career. Chris Bowden and Joe Brand break down the latest storylines surrounding your favorite Chicago hockey team. Each game I'm getting better and pushing myself to strive to be better. That's hockey, baby! Here's Chris Bowden and Joe Brand. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the newest edition of our Blackhawks Crazy Podcast presented by FanList. I'm Chris Bowden, your pre- and post-game host on WGN Radio. And Joe Brand, as we record on Saturday night after a 4-2 Blackhawks victory over the Anaheim Ducks, where were you at this time one week ago? Uh, right about now, at 11.12 p.m., I was searching for a ride back to the hotel uh, after the ceremony. She left you already, huh? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was with her at the time, but yes, uh, on the way back to the hotel after my marriage. More details to come here, where we're going to save the best of the very last of the podcast. Don't skip ahead just yet, because we have other good stuff to get to. But uh, since uh, he's back... We know what uh, we've given some of Joe's responsibilities for, so when it comes to FanList, Joe, take it away. Well, of course, Blackhawks Crazy Podcast is sponsored by FanList. FanList is the best platform for season ticket holders to sell their tickets. Are you a Blackhawks season ticket holder who sells multiple games? Get over to FanList.com slash BlackhawksCrazy. That's spelled F-A-N-L-Y-S-T dot com. FanList partners with multiple ticket marketplaces and lists tickets for sales across all marketplaces all at once. Sites like StubHub, Vivid Seats, SeatGeek, GameTime, and many more. And they do all the work. Multiple marketplaces will increase your ticket exposure, causing tickets to sell faster and for higher prices. Plus, FanList is free to use. Registration and listing tickets are free. When tickets sell, FanList charges the industry standard 15% of the final sale price. It's the same rate that all those major marketplaces charge. There's no hidden costs or added fees to use FanList. It's the best way for you as a season ticket holder to sell your tickets. Go to FanList.com slash BlackhawksCrazy to receive a $20 bonus on your first sale. Again, that's F-A-N-L-Y-S-T dot com slash BlackhawksCrazy. Is this the same piece of paper we've been using all year long? Because it looks it looks fine. It looks flawless. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, I think, a part of the National Archive right now. <laughs> but how about that read? Absolutely flawless. He hasn't lost it, ladies and gentlemen. No rust to knock off. Absolutely perfect, and that's why he keeps the job for next week. So, um, in any event, let's uh, first we have things to talk about here with Robin Leonard as he returned to the net here on Saturday night, but um, had very interesting comments after a three-person optional skate that upset a whole lot of people out there. By the way, um, but uh, we'll dive deeper into that in terms of. Interesting stuff about what this team still needs to do, as he has been very frank about all season long, and about his contract situation. We would play his comments in their entirety. It only told about two minutes, but man, it had a lot of legs and got a lot of reaction, so we'll get to that. Also hear from Stan Bowman from earlier in the week, as he had his first in-season media availability, 
And uh, the part we're going to play is him discussing his approach at the trade deadline and the options that he may have or has to deal with, depending on how the team performs between now and then. But first, let's talk about the end of this, what I think is a disappointing, quite frankly, four-game homestand. You are looking to be better than 2-2. Two and two. You end up beating the two teams that are below you in the standings, but the ones, Joe, that you really needed on Tuesday and Thursday, you come away with zero points and more distance between yourself and Calgary and Nashville in particular. And we had Ole Mata in the postgame show as well, and, and I asked him about it. Do you feel like you left a lot on the table and are kind of disappointed by the homestand? And he said the same, and I, I think that would probably go right through the locker room as well. Yeah, I think so too, and I think that's what a lot of fans are thinking thinking too and unfortunately this has been the reoccurring theme for the 2019-2020 Blackhawks but again when you backtrack you look at how we got here it was uh, a really up and down game against Detroit all of a sudden you look like you're going to fall to the lowly Red Wings you find some power you find some steam and you come back and have a great comeback feel good win to beat the heated rival of Detroit even though you know different conference now and everything the Calgary game was just kind of Blech. It was just lackluster. It wasn't. It wasn't this huge deflating loss like the Blackhawks have had so many times this year. It was just same problems, but not at the extreme extent. Just couldn't figure some things out. Of course, they did not have Robin Leonard until this last game, but you still have plenty of confidence in Corey Crawford. He wasn't the problem. It's just one of those things where huh, who knows what happens when you're able to rotate your goaltenders like you've been able to all year long, and then. The the Nashville game, you guys talked about it through and through. It was the start, and that's what's maybe the most disappointing because now we're we're regressing even more. I mean, the problems are there, but it's the way the losses are coming. And, and we've gone through the Blackhawks having bad starts and having to find that energy, and then they pick it up and they show what kind of talent they have. But if they just would have kept that intensity for all 60 minutes, they would have put themselves in a much better shot to win the game, and that's what we're going to hear from Robin Leonard later on, too. Today, a different story. Not the greatest start, but a decent start. Uh, it looked like Jonathan Taves was extremely energized. He kept going to the to the crease as much as he could. He, get, he gets that goal to tie the game. The second period, a million times better than the first. But again, you're playing some lesser talent in Anaheim, but they're taking advantage of who they're playing. They make, they're making mid-game adjustments. I still think the past couple of weeks, the mid-game adjustments have been better for the team. There's not these deflating periods, albeit aside from the first period against Nashville, but that's what they're dealing with right now. Yeah, and and yeah, you mentioned the talent on this team, and the talent is down even when they're fully healthy from those cup runs. And I think that in, in some sense has spoiled some of the, the stars in that locker room, even though we're three years into this. It's not a situation where you can flip a switch and, and snap your fingers and decide when you want to play well. Because, as you'll hear Robin Leonard say in a few minutes, they can't get away with that right now with the makeup of this roster. And when with no Strom, no Saad, no Shaw, no Dahan in particular, to a lesser extent, you know, perhaps uh, Seabrook and a couple of other guys who have been banged up and in and out of the lineup, uh, they're making do. It's patchwork, uh, but uh, it's still not playing to the type of level other teams who are going through just as many injuries are able to fight through in a much better manner. The positive out of all this, this homestand, was the guy who scored in each of those four games, and it was Dominic Kubalik. And, uh, man, you could just almost see him improving game to game. And when we saw him in training camp, it was the shot that really opened our eyes because, you know, he has himself 
uh, a real hard wrister slapper um, that he really, to be quite honest, hasn't utilized very much this season. That was the first thing that caught everybody's eye. But what he's doing now, as we've said time and time again, and now virtually every game, which is where all his goals have come from during this homestand, and most recently uh, now with, what is it, seven goals in his last ten games, uh, Dominic Kubelik, now tied as we tape here with Victor Olofsson of Buffalo for the rookie lead. And Olofsson, by the way, is injured and will be for some time. But it's going to the net and having that kind of mindset that too often the rest of this team lacks. We've seen it with Jonathan Taves consistently. Dylan Strome, when he's healthy, manages to go there fairly regularly. But getting everyone else involved to do that, it's something natural for Kubelik, and he's he's getting rewarded for it. Troy Murray brought it up a lot in today's broadcast. How just it, it just seemed like such a conscious effort to go towards the net. Taves did it a lot. Kubelik obviously did it a lot. Even Alex Nylander, I saw it today. You're just you're seeing the Hawks in today's game at least go towards the net and shoot the puck. And unfortunately, these are fundamental things that they struggle with continuing on a consistent basis so maybe that's what you need is the rookie the young kid just to go back to the fundamentals and just play hockey by going towards the net you mentioned all the skills he has as a shooter how many skilled shooters do the Hawks have though and we've seen that actually be counterintuitive because they pass the puck around too much I loved Jonathan Taves goal today that tied the game he's coming down the ice a potential two-on-one you could almost see in slow motion him maybe thinking to pass the puck over and create some uh, misguidance of the of the goalie but no he just goes and shoots it and he's a skilled shooter he knows what he needs to do with the puck and he finally puts in the back and this comes after he nearly had a chance to tie the game right before when he hit the corner of the post so you you're seeing him just get back to the basics and doing what he needs to do and also, again, going back to the mid-game adjustment. So I, I think that's what's good is when you see the rookies doing the fundamental things. Hopefully everyone else can follow through with it. Yeah, and you mentioned that two-on-one situation. And one part that's driven me crazy about this team so far, this they've tried to be too cute offensively. They've tried to make that extra pass when straightforward uh, it works a whole lot better. So let's hear from Mr. Straightforward. It, it was a... It was almost comical scene at the end of the game because you know they were going to try and get him out there to get the hat trick with the goalie pulled and the Blackhawks still up four to two. Little less necessity with that two goal cushion to have all defensive guys out there. And they started out. If they gained possession of the puck with David Camp out there, Camp would go to the bench. Kubalik would jump over the boards, but he had a couple of couple of opportunities from neutralized area. One may have even hit the post. I'm not quite sure the first opportunity. And then he was flailing around there, you know, fighting as best he could like a like a, a fish on a beach. Uh, in the hot sun, trying to gain possession of the puck and get one more opportunity for that goal. And when Joe, you and the rest of the media met with him afterwards, he, he could only help but laugh at himself as some of his teammates were laughing at him too about uh, the rather, uh, I don't know, uh, comical but uh, in the end empty effort to try and finish off that hat trick here tonight. <laughs> I was shaking, so I'm nervous. I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, and when I missed the first one, I was uh, looking to pass someone because my confidence was gone. So <laughs> I didn't believe myself. <laughs> if you're tied for the rookie leading goals in the NHL season, what's working well for you, especially lately? Uh, well, I think uh, uh, the biggest part is uh, that uh, we're playing pretty well like a line. You know? We get lots of uh, uh, ozone shifts, uh, uh, lots of shots in that, and uh, um, I think uh, that's that's the biggest thing. And then. Uh, for example, me and the Taser were, uh, you know, 
we both got uh, uh, scored on last, uh, you know, two, two, three games. So that's pretty good. When you have Kane on that line with you and, and Taves, it seems to really be clicking. Yeah, I think so too. You know, it's uh, for me, it's still still huge, you know, to play with those guys. So, so I'm just really enjoying the time on the ice with them. Do you feel that need to, to, to make the most of it so that you get to stay on that line? Oh, obviously, you always want to want to make the most most of it. But uh, I'm just trying to do my job, you know, uh, especially being the net because uh, uh, they're the guys. They they really want to play, like uh, you know, not in the net. So I'm just trying to do things that uh, is going to bring us success. So so I'm really happy that it's working. You're a shooter by nature, but both of those are rebound goals. Is that something you're consciously trying to do? Yeah, I'm just trying to work on it every every practice. You know, it's, it's, those goals are. Uh, you know, uh, guys call them greasy, but uh, I think they're they're nicest. You know, when you're standing there and the puck just drop drop in front of you, just put it home. So <laughs> I don't know, but I like it. <laughs> you feel like this is the best hockey that you, you've been playing? Uh, yes, I think so. You know, especially after the first, uh, I would say two uh, first two games when I scored. You know, the confidence going high. So. Uh, then uh, obviously you need, uh, or you're trying to do more and more, and you know, and especially the confidence you're uh, you're able to make it. So, so uh, I'm like I said, I'm really enjoying the time right now. Looking back uh, in the off season before the season started, this kind of the season going how you thought it would individually? Is this what you expected? <laughs> well, my my first goal was uh, you know to make a team. Then uh, uh, I was you know saying myself that uh, we're gonna we're gonna start there and we'll see what what's gonna happen. And uh, uh, now. It's like that, so I just you know can't believe it. It's, it's great. The energy was okay in the first period, but it really picked Robin up Leonard, in the second. What was available. the difference? Well, uh, I don't know. Uh, we're a little passive, but uh, I mean, uh, we found a way to uh, uh, to stay with it and uh, you know get the fortune going. So I think that's uh, that's the biggest part of of our game. You know, to uh, to skate skate a lot and uh, uh, get the pressure going. And one thing that Jeremy Carlton said, I'm not sure if it was at the morning skate or at practice on. Um, on Friday, but uh, he said one thing that that Kubalik has improved upon is he's an older rookie at 24, but it's human nature when you're in this league, the best in the world, for the first time, you let mistakes wear on you, and he would let he would take mistakes he would make in game into the next shift, and even a shift or two after that. And as a result, he earned himself less ice time by doing that rather than, okay, checking it, learning from it, moving ahead. He said that's something that, that Kubalik's doing a whole lot better right now. And, yeah, to be quite honest, he has developed into bright spot number three uh, this season so far. You have what Leonard's done. You have Patrick Kane picking up a, another point, extending his point streak to six, and he's now at 995 total for his career as he bears down on 1,000, and he may have it by the time the Blackhawks uh, return here from their three-game road trip next Sunday against the uh, against the Winnipeg Jets. But I think Kubalik, I think far and above, has to be that next bright spot with maybe Doc and Boquist, even though the production hasn't been there, them getting this exposure, you know, being a, a slot behind it, maybe four and five in terms of, you know, bright spots and optimism this season. It's almost kind of reminding me of the coming out season, well, the rookie year for Alex Dabrinkit. I mean, it, it was kind of a surprise, but, you know, you knew the talent was there. You just didn't expect the talent to be there right away. And, yeah, it did take a little bit of time for Dominic Kubelik to, to be this lethal. But Jeremy Colleton used the adjective today of being dynamic, and he's really shown how he can be. He's, he's got the skill set. And I think the most important thing is he, he works well with the really skilled players on the lines. I mean, heck, he was at the top line today with Taves and who they put, Kajula, 
but then they started moving Kane into that line too. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that that's going to make him better as a skater and as a player, and it's going to get him more confident. You mentioned him having some some problems or you know uh, making a mistake and then bringing it into the next shift. It's nice when your only mistake in a game is just missing the empty <laughs> net for a hat trick. Yeah, he was even laughing about it afterwards. Taves and Kane were laughing at him. And uh, he took it all in good stride, as you heard there uh, afterwards, following the 4-2 victory. And, again, effort, straight line, that's something that Kubelik does well, and it's something that uh, was part of the discussion or part of the thoughts that Robin Leonard shared with what this team needs in order to make the next step. We have heard him throughout the entire season as a victim of too many shots on goal against him talk about puck management, structure defensively. He's talked about that time and time again quite openly while not pointing the finger at any individuals because it's been a team-wide problem. But then effort, having minimum 100% effort, and that's something that we definitely didn't see in that first period against Nashville, and it's just been ebbing and flowing throughout the entire year. And the way this Blackhawks team is right now compared to the cup contenders, that's the bare minimum that this team should have And as always, Robin was great in putting his thoughts into words and being spot on and exactly what it's going to take for this team to make the next step as, you know, the mistakes repeat themselves of, okay, here's a game where you can gain ground on a team in front of you or leapfrog a team in front of you in the standings, and then 60 minutes later you come up with zero points. And so there are two particular bullet points in particular that Robin brought up after uh, the Friday practice when he was talking with reporters about what this team needs in order to make a more serious push for the playoffs and possibly get in, and what is the difference between those teams that do make it and don't make it. You look around the league, for the most part, everyone can beat each other. You know, any team, for the most part, can beat any team, but the, the teams that make the playoffs, they're the ones that can you know, do that consistently, and uh, that's not just go on runs and go on long winning streak. It's just kind of like not lose two in a row, show up consistently in work ethic uh, and structure every night, and uh, you know that translates to wins. Because even when you have an off night, uh, work ethic and structure can it gets you points no matter what. Uh, because you're not going to have your your best nights every night. That's obviously something we're trying to learn, and um, it's frustrating, but. Still, as you guys are well aware, you know, many times we've been written off this year and then we climb back in. Hopefully the next time we climb back in, we keep it going. It's just all we all we can try to do. It's just about, you know, expecting a few things every night. You know, you can't expect excellence in any matter every night, but uh, just expect and uh, demand from each other that you do the right thing every night. And that's still what we're trying to, that what we have to get to here on this team. If you follow the team structure every night and you show up with your work ethic every night, you're giving yourself a chance to win. And if you don't win, at least, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter. I think the Vancouver game was uh, was a good example of that. I think we played well, but you get bounces. It's a very high-end skill league and things happen. But uh, if you just demand uh, good work ethic and good structure every night, this year you're going to get that maybe 10, 15 extra points. And uh, that's what is the difference between the ones not making the playoffs and the ones that are in the playoffs. So there's the always interesting uh, netminder with uh, thoughts on the Blackhawks and, and what they need to do more of. And again, I, I don't think a whole lot of people can argue with it with the makeup of this team right now. But then... Uh, he met for about five or six minutes with reporters. That was the main chunk. And then his future was discussed because after January 1st, 
The Blackhawks are eligible to open contract negotiations for an extension with Robin uh, if they so desire. And when Stan Bowman spoke earlier in the week and was asked about it, uh, he's never going to reveal whether he has open conversations with uh, a guy's particular agent or not, keeping all of that behind the scenes. All you'll see with the Blackhawks is a sudden announcement if they do happen to sign somebody. But um, So, again, he's not saying that they will or they won't, but based on his performance, you would think that's going to be something the Blackhawks try to get done. And before we play this sound for you, let's let's give a little bit of context because – one year, $5 million. After a great season with the Islanders, they kick him to the curb, so to speak, and sign a guy who does not have as good a numbers as Leonard, at least for the last season or two, in Semyon Varlamov, and give him $5 million over four years, $5 million a year after over four years, four years, $20 million, and they let Robin go. And again, Robin has great respect for the Islanders organization and the fans for the support they gave him in coming out with all his issues. But now, for context purposes, here's here's the here are all the goalies uh, and their uh, salary average that make more money than Leonard. Right now, Leonard is two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve. 14th on the list, if I'm counting correctly, which is always difficult for me. <laughs> Carey Price leads the pack. He averages $10.5 million. He signed an eight-year, $84 million deal with Montreal. Then comes Sergei Bobrovsky, the big fish in the free agent pond last year. He's getting $10 million a year, seven years, $70 million from Florida. Andre Vasilevsky of, of Tampa Bay, nine point five per over an eight-year deal. Henrik Lundqvist. per season. That's part of a seven-year, $59 million contract. Then comes Marc-Andre Fleury and Tuka Rask. They each make $7 million per year. The guy we saw tonight, John Gibson of Anaheim, 6.4. And then Connor Hellebuck of Winnipeg at 6.2. Braden Holtby at 6.1. He becomes a free agent. And Corey Crawford at 6. Excuse me. And right, right after that, ahead of Robin, the final guys, Jonathan Quick averaging 5.8. Martin Jones... From San Jose, 5.75. Jimmy Howard at 5.1. That's on a one-year deal they brought him back. And then come Ro- then comes Robin, who is right there at 5, with Pecorine and Simeon Varlamov. The aforementioned him and Freddie Anderson of Toronto as well. Ben Bishop right below them, averaging 4.9. So if you're talking about market value, Robin at 5 now, I would think, if I had to guess, he wants, in fairness, maybe somewhere in the... Anywhere from the 6.5 to 8 range, maybe that number comes lower with a little bit more term. But that's what he's going up against in terms of market value. And of all those names I mentioned, you know who has won Stanley Cups and who hasn't. Price hasn't won one. Bobrovsky, Vasilevsky, no, they haven't won one. Lundquist, you have to go all the way down to Marc-Andre Fleury and Tuka Rask, who are... Um, fifth and sixth on that list to find Stanley Cup winners. They're making $7 million per. So with all that in mind, I usually edit these down and take out the the ums and the you knows and, you know, the sniffles and things like that. But I this is this is it in its entirety with all the pauses included so you have a sense of context about what he's saying and how he wants to return to the Blackhawks. He really likes it here, but he's not about to, as you'll hear in the latter stages of it, give the Blackhawks a break uh, in order for the fact that they came to the quote-unquote rescue and signed him for one year here uh, and, and 
rolled and quote unquote took a chance on him because he's ready to make what he feels he has earned and deserves. So this exchange with reporters after Friday's practice started with Jimmy Greenfield, the Tribune, asking him whether he would be open to him slash his agent uh, undergoing or having contract extension talks here during the remainder of the season. No, I, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'll definitely be be uh, be open to it. Um, but, uh, yeah, let the, let the agents and Stan figure that out. Uh, uh, it's, it's a different summer this summer than, than last summer, you know. Uh, uh, me personally, uh, another year under my belt uh, in my new journey. Um, there's the market it's quite open a lot of teams to these goalies um and um yeah it's it's not that many goalies are available this season uh so i mean we'll see what happens but uh all i know is i i really like it here we'll we'll see i just i've learned enough uh this is a business and uh no matter how good and how, how good things are going how well you like it sometimes it's not up to you and it's none of your control but uh, I know where I stand, and I really like this team, and I, s- I still really believe in this team uh, and the pieces this team has. Uh, would like to be a part of the, the turnaround. Do you consider giving the Hawks a slight discount because of your, you know, them taking a chance on you in the offseason and reaching out the way they did? Who? The Hawks. They took a chance on me? Well, I mean, they... they I was 93 percentage last year. Okay, and well, 92 okay. of my career, what chance did I take? Okay. Well, maybe bad question. Maybe just the, the fact that you signed here and, and do enjoy it here? Yeah, I choose to come here. They didn't. They didn't. So, no, I, uh, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, I've taken discounts my whole life, and I, I don't want uh, – I'm not a guy that want to be overpaid either. I, I want to gain some respect that I think I deserve. And uh, we'll see if that happens or not. Uh, uh, we'll see what happens. Slapshot questions. Tweet your questions to the guys at Bowden Tweets and at Joe underscore brand one for your questions to be read on the podcast. Thank you, Ernie Scott. It's good to hear your voice again on the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast presented by FanList. And, and we will get to your questions here in a second, but just since we're coming out of uh, those comments by Leonard, Joe, I wanted to hear what your thoughts were because I don't think this would be twisted and turned, and I think the Blackhawks very much understand. If they want to keep Rob and Leonard around, and they have their challenges here with DeBrinket's contract coming in, um, having to sign Dylan Strom, having to now sign... Dominic Kubalik for next season. And then if they want to bring Robin Leonard in the fold, there's going to have to be some salary cap maneuvering for that to happen. But I I think, you know, obviously from a business standpoint, the Blackhawks will try to get him as cheap as possible. But I think they understand that there is a market out there and they're going to have to be more than fair with Robin, and I, and I think in the end they'll 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 try to find a way to do that. Whether that happens before the end of the season, or if Robin would allow negotiations continue between the end of the Blackhawks season and the start of free agency, I think the the Blackhawks will make every effort to try and make it happen and bring Robin back, since he has five six years um, in the bag compared to you know what Corey Crawford is, who just turned thirty five. 
It does kind of remind me of the Jake Arietta Cubs situation where people were asking him, would he take a hometown discount? But he didn't know the Cubs anything, and the Cubs didn't know Jake Arietta really anything. That's kind of the situation here. Robin Leonard is worth every single penny that he deserves, and he, he is well within right to go and chase as much money as he wants because he has been a fantastic goalie this year. But when you were breaking down all those numbers – Really, what what it comes down to, it just seems like Robin Leonard makes the most sense for this team. And you got both him and Corey Crawford coming up as undrafted, or rather unrestricted free agents. Robin Leonard's seven years younger. He he has clearly shown what he can do in the crease, and he's he's. We don't know what's going on behind closed doors. We don't know who's a better leader, if it's Corey Crawford or Robin Leonard. Robin Leonard is for sure a great quote, and he for sure knows what's going on about the strengths and the weaknesses of his team. And he's not afraid to put the team in its place. And he's earned that right because of how well he's played and because he's right. Everything he has said this year has been pretty much 100% right. I can't think of anything that was even swayed uh, the truth-wise whatsoever. But I, I just think great for him. This is a guy that has worked his tail off for so long, uh, both physically and mentally, and he's, he's very proud about all that, as he should be. So let him and his agent do what they need to do. Hopefully the Blackhawks and he can get it figured out because he seems to really like it in Chicago. I'll say that, too. The other, or the other week when the Islanders were in town, uh, he was talking with a few of assistant coaches, and he was raving about living in the city. He loves the city, loves the town, loves the fan base. It seems like he loves the organization, so hopefully the Blackhawks can love him back. Well, that will kind of dovetail into some of our questions here on Slapshots, and we're finally getting around to uh, what Ernie introduced us for, but we do want to follow up on, on the Robin situation. Um, so uh, let's see, first question we'll take, and I went back and forth with a couple of people on Twitter about this, <laughs> who I thought were making way too big of a deal over the fact that they held an optional practice on Friday. The only guys on the ice were Dylan Secura, Dennis Gilbert, who were the scratches the night before, and the scratches again on Saturday, and Robin Leonard. Um, so uh, Joe, Joe Gallagher, uh, just asked us thoughts on having an optional practice and only having three or three players show up. It's a bad look, but they had been on the ice since last Sunday. And I know all the all the all the all the cryptic people in Twitterville will say, "Oh, they're prof- they're professional athletes. They make X amount of money. Uh, why, especially with them losing, why shouldn't why shouldn't they be on the ice every single day to try and figure this thing out?" Well, it's not like they're not having meetings and discussing things and going over X's and O's and trying to figure things out. You don't necessarily have to have a productive day by being out on the ice, especially when they've been on the ice Sunday. Uh, Sunday Sunday night game. Let's go back. I'm sorry. Saturday practice last week. Sunday game. Monday practice. Tuesday game. Wednesday practice. Thursday game. So he gives them the option if they want to be out on the ice. I think it's about right is that the healthy scratches went out there. Are there a couple other guys who might do good to be out there maybe and let me also clarify i think the monday practice was an optional as well but they had maybe about half the team out there it was mostly the older veterans who sat out so when you're on the ice that amount of times i i i can't i don't think it's a big deal i don't think it's a sign that jeremy's quote-unquote lost the team or anything like that and the reason robin was out on the ice that day was because he does not like morning skates 
he thinks he plays better without having to report to the arena and then go back home and then come back and start in the game. He's not a fan of that. So as a result, he was practicing on Friday, decided not to show up at the morning skate on Saturday. And I think people are just making way too big of a deal of this. This happens throughout the NHL for every team. And, yeah, you can point your fingers and be bitter about the Blackhawks losing against Calgary and Nashville. So, yeah, you should run them out there for practice the next day. But to be quite honest, in the real world, in the real NHL these days, that's just not the way it works. And I think people are making way, way too much out of it. I promise this is my last other Chicago sport parallel, but this isn't Cody Park. He's not taking his practice field goals at Soldier Field, and therefore he doesn't know the turf. It's not that situation. You broke it down. They had either a practice, a morning skate, and or a game every day from Saturday to Saturday. That's eight days. Now, I know everyone out there who is taking the extreme route of this thing, and okay, they're professional athletes. How many of you work eight days a week, and if you are offered an optional day, would you take it or not? The other thing is they came out and won today. I get, I get the recipe of it, though. The team is struggling, optional practice, three players show, the team is going down the toilet. The, the coach has no handle on the team. That's just, it's just not the case. It's really not. Uh, you go back to the other optional skate where, the, where it's typically for the veterans. But when you go back to back to back to back for, for six straight days, give your guys a breather. We are getting into the halfway point of the season right now. I get it. The All-Star break is coming up. But guys need to breathe. They need to rest. They're professional athletes. they got to recover. And they are out on the road uh, this coming week all together, not away from each other. And let me just also say, if I didn't make it clear enough, everyone was in on Friday for meetings and video sessions. There were only three guys that were out on the ice. So hopefully that will make people understand a little bit better. I highly doubt it. They want to. They want to make up their mind. Yeah, thanks, Joe Gallagher. For, uh, stirring <clears throat> All right, the pot. right. Well, at least he asked it, and I wanted to address it too because I think people are getting way too carried away with it. Um, our friend Margot uh, tweet, tweets us, and she always does, even when we don't uh, uh, particularly do the slap shot questions. Um, so uh, if we don't have enough volume, so to speak. But Margot, has anyone? Filled Seabrook's leadership role in the, in the locker room. Could that be a reason for a seeming lack of motivation slash urgency? Other guys do step up. Brent Seabrook wasn't simply the only guy. He was the guy that everyone else praised the most, and from that aspect, a valuable presence in the locker room. So you have that faction of Blackhawk fandom that says, oh, he's really going to be missed, while the other half says, well, He's not doing very well on the ice. And, oh, that's why he's having all these surgeries now. Perhaps that played a factor in his not playing very well. So it's one or the other. I think there are enough other voices in that room, whether it's Leonard or Taves or Keith in particular, just to name a few, who are capable of being that, perhaps not in the same boisterous way or the same kidding way that uh, Brent Seabrook may have it. But let's be honest also, Seabrook was here for the last um, – two years when the Blackhawks did not make the playoffs and weren't very good and again are struggling and kind of running in quicksand this year so I think that's a little bit overplayed in terms of how it results on the ice um, especially here at home you know when they have struggled so much over the course of the last two seasons in particular plus this season as well if you're not motivated and giving 100% and giving effort right at the outset for games against Nashville. We've seen that earlier in the season, even when Brent Seabrook was in uniform. So I I think that's a little overplayed, not to diminish all Brent means emotionally to this team, 
but how that translates exactly into performance on the ice. Maybe it was a little bit bigger factor back in the in the cup winning days. Um, I'm not sure if it's as big a factor now. Yeah, 100% agree. Uh, the problems that the Blackhawks have had pre-Brent Seabrook surgery and post-Brent Seabrook surgery are pretty similar, if not exactly the same. Uh, and, and you bring up another good point. There are leaders in this dressing room, in, in Leonard and Taves and Keith, and probably more. The Hawks don't need more powwow speeches. This this extra energy, this extra motivation has to come within. The whole team knows what they need to do. They've seen the repercussions of when they do what they need to do, and they, they see the reward of it, but for some reason it's still a matter of continuing it for 60 minutes. So it's it's not one guy in the dressing room that's going to turn turn this whole thing around. All right, one more Slapshots question. It comes uh, a late entry here. Uh, we uh, we said on Saturday night we were uh, taking questions up until uh, 11 o'clock or so. Waving Worm, W-A-I-V-I-N-G, Waving Worm. Um, and, you know, I think Blackhawk fans are either one side of the spectrum or the other. There's the tear down and start over and suffer through a rebuild. And then there's the others who say, well, Taves and Kane, still good players. We don't know how long they'll be. Keith, still good, not Norris Trophy caliber. Dubrinkit, Strom, now Kubalik, Boquist and Doc coming. More pieces to fit around there. Figure that out, along with hopefully re-signing Robin Leonard. Waving Worm's question is, is it time for a more severe rebuild, trading off three or four non-core pieces this year and committing to youth? Well, Three or four of the non-core pieces, I'm trying to wrap my head around that, whether that's going to be, okay, maybe Corey Crawford, since he's a free agent to be, um, maybe a Brandon Saad, if you're thinking that way. He has one more year left on his contract after this. I'm not sure whether uh, Wormy is, is referring to Debrink and Strom being part of that group as well. But after that, um, you have, in terms of non-core pieces that would be valuable and bring something in a trade in return, I ain't seeing much here, uh, much besides uh, Saad and Crawford, if, if that's what everybody's referring to. And that's if you want to keep Debrinket and Strom, who are still young. And, you know, obviously I'm thinking you want to co- keep Doc and Boquist. Um, and non-core pieces, that reference obviously does not include Taves and Kane and, and Keith. So I'm not sure how much you're going to get out of trading a couple of those guys other than Saad and Crawford, who might bring something in return. And unless you can find a trade partner who is going to give you a prospect, a good prospect who's right on the cusp in order for one of these pieces to push them over the top into the playoffs or into Stanley Cup contention, I'm not sure what you're going to get other than draft picks, which who are going to be a couple years down the road. So I don't know. That, that's just my thinking on that. Unfortunately, there aren't a whole lot of those types of pieces that are going to get you something that, could help you as soon as next season and take greater steps in this turnaround beyond those couple of names. And, you know, uh, I, I'm not sure if that's something that they want to do. It's up to Stan, as we'll hear from him in a couple of moments, about determining here in a couple of weeks how he wants to approach this trade deadline. My mind went exactly where yours did. So, oh, okay, say say the Hawks do want to go into a severe rebuild. I like that term, by the way. Way to go, Waving Worm. Um, but, but, yeah, going down the pieces of who is movable. Okay, the core pieces. Patrick Kane's going to get you the most reward. Jonathan Taves is going to get you something, but not as big as Patrick Kane. I mean, it's a lot of money. It's still a lot of years. 
and then you go down the line, okay, a Corey Crawford, but that's a $6 million Stanley Cup winning goaltender, but anybody that's kind of in Stanley Cup contention already is set with their goaltender. I don't think they're looking for a number two that uh, Corey Crawford would go to. The most movable guy on the roster right now is Eric Gustafson, a, a scoring defenseman who will be a, a free agent next season. That's that's probably the first guy the Hawks would move if they decide to sell off some pieces. But but there you go. That's, that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're asking my opinion, they they got to keep Strom. They got to keep the Brinkett. They I, I would hang on to Sakura. I think that the verdict's still out for him. Kirby Doc, obviously Dominic Kubalik has been showing so much. There is still a young core that is coming up that I, I think Blackhawks fans do need to realize that 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 can be pretty promising. I don't know which way they will go. I, if my money's on it, I would say they don't go to a, such of a big sell like that because Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves are such franchise players. If that's the right move or not, I, I don't know. I can't see into the future. But but again, you got to look at what you would get. Kane will get you a lot of good return. Jonathan Taves, maybe. And he's talking about three or four non-core pieces in his question, too. Okay. So I'm assuming, I'm assuming he's still including Kane and Taves as part of that core. And yeah, uh, you you misleading. A yeah. severe rebuild with trading non-core <laughs> pieces. That that's kind of hard to do. Yeah, and 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 your point about Gustafson too. Yeah, I don't think he's here this year. Here next year, you have Adam Boquist. You have a player that you'll hear Stan Bowman talk about here momentarily in Ian Mitchell, who is going to be on this team next year. Uh, you hope to have Calvin DeHaan back as well. So for Gustafson, who appears as though last year was a flash. With now five goals and 18 points so far past the halfway point of the season when he had 60 points and 17 goals last year, how much are you going to get in return for him based on his performance this year? And he still, at times, can be a defensive liability. Not that he doesn't have a lot of company on this roster at times, but can Stan Bowman get a first-round draft pick from a team like he somehow managed to do with Ryan Hartman a couple years ago? I would say if he could get anything higher than a three, in my opinion, that would be astounding. Do a cartwheel, take it, and run with it. So I'm not sure how much you're going to get from an Eric Gustafson return from that standpoint as well. All right. Thank you for all your slap shots questions. We appreciate it. Uh, as always, keep them rolling in. Even if it's the same people, uh, we're uh, ready and willing to answer those questions here on the Black Horse Crazy podcast. All right. By the way, this is a real long podcast tonight because – we're not going to bring you another one until after the Q game on, is it Tuesday? February? I don't know. It's February, Tuesday, 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 January 21st. So the, after that, the Hawks go into the All-Star break. So we'll have this three-game road trip and then the two home games, including the Q return when we do our next podcast. So we are covering a lot of ground here, especially since a couple of other newsy things popped up over the course of the last 24 or 48 hours. Thank you, Robin Leonard. But what also happened earlier this week was Stan Bowman meeting the media, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast. And he went about 22 minutes or so, but I want to bring you a chunk where he was talking about what is straight ahead and the decisions that he has to make here concerning the trade deadline, what we've just been talking about. And um, Stan during this, uh, I don't know, five and a half minutes or so that we've, we've kind of edited together, so you know the subject matter kind of remains consistent. Um, 
He talks a little bit later on to close here about Ian Mitchell, who, again, is the former second-round pick who probably was ready to be a Blackhawk this year, decided to go back for a third year at the University of Denver as captain to try and win a national championship. He is going to be a part of uh, this team um, as soon as he is done with Denver, and that may not be this season if Denver does make it to the Frozen Four. But I think he's definitely going to be here next year as part of that defensive core. So... Prior to that, though, it's the trade talk discussion, whether uh, there is an urgency. You'll hear him being asked whether there's an urgency to go all in this season at the trade deadline after two straight you know, playoff misses. The difficulty of trying to evaluate this team and its playoff chances with the injuries that they have suffered, whether to go all in or to take a different approach and back off, look for next year, take on assets that other teams don't want that will become free agents. Uh, His approach on picking up free agents to be on bad contracts, kind of like that he needed other teams to do for him in the past, whether it's you know a a Brian Bickle or or someone else like that, in order to gain picks or uh, just add some players for the push. And then uh, he opens up here when he was asked about using all the available cap space that he now has that has opened up with the Brent Seabrook and Calvin DeHaan injuries being considered long-term. Those salaries are now open cap space since they're not going to return this season. It amounts to just a shade under $12 million. So his approach on whether he's going to use all that, the problem being that you lose all that cap space. If if you're going to bring in a non free agent to be, you lose all that cap space at the very end of your season, whether it's regular season or playoffs, because DeHaan and Seabrook go back on the books. They'll refill that $11.7 million. So that's where this conversation about his approach to the deadline picks up from what was Tuesday morning here prior to the game against Calgary. Well, we have the flexibility to do it. I think right now uh, we're not chasing down any trades. I think part of this time of the year is to have some conversations with other managers to see where they're at. I think everyone's trying to assess their team. It's been a half a season, so there's some trends have emerged. Some teams are struggling in certain areas, and you know, we've had some injuries that we've been able to get through. Uh, you know, We're missing some, some players out of our lineup right now, but we've been able to uh, have other guys step up, so it's been, uh, it's been nice to see that happen, but um, yeah, financially we can fit some other players in whether we're going to make moves or not we'll just have to see what comes down the pipe we don't have anything um, we're close to right now there was some talk like you guys should acquire guys on bad contracts so you can pick up picks but if you guys were making a run to the playoffs would you consider adding guys or would you rather just kind of let this team run and see what they can do for the rest of the season uh well we'll just assess that as we go um i don't know if we have one i don't think you can have just one approach i think Part of our job, part of my job, is to look at all the different options out there, and um, you know, if if it makes sense to add a player for adding assets, we'll look at that. But um, you know, we're also looking at the team on the ice, and uh, it's been nice to see some of the the younger players come up from Rockford and fill in. The last couple of weeks, we've we've had you know, Sod's been missing, and Dehan and Seabrook, you know, uh, Shaw, Kajula. So there's five, you know experienced NHL players that are out and we found a way with other players so um, sometimes it, it works that way and we're hoping that continues it 
Well, it's different, but I think that you still have to. Uh, you know, there's a lot of teams that are going through injury troubles. I think the, the encouraging thing is to see how our guys have responded with having a lot of um, established veteran players who, you know, the, they play a pretty big role on our team and they're all out, but our team's found a way to, um, with a different group, a different mixture here to, to get some wins, and uh, that's a good sign. So, yeah, it's, it's a little bit different analyzing because certain, certain guys are in roles they probably wouldn't typically be in, um, but they're forced into those roles. So, you know, when, when there's a player that goes down or multiple players that get injured, you have to have guys step up, and uh, I think we've seen that over the past couple weeks, and uh, we need that to continue because... Uh, you know, if, if we get new injuries or, um, you know, the, the team's looking to build on something. And I think right now we found a nice mixture of uh, guys buying into their roles. And when that happens, your team has a good chance of winning. Well, we're, we're not focused on past years. I mean, this we're, we're looking at this year where we are right now. And obviously the next five to six weeks are pivotal leading into that stretch run starting you know really at the end of February till April is when um, the league takes another level up um, over co- course of a season you've got the beginning and I think play kind of steps up usually six weeks into it now we're in that next phase but you know the the level's only going to get harder so um, the goal is to put ourselves in a good position between now and then and, uh, and then evaluate what options we have to improve our team. So it, it's a little bit premature to say what our moves are going to be down the road. Those are hard to handicap, but I think focus right now is to just stay in the present and look where we are and build on these next few games and keep going. Are the indications you're getting that the initial sign after the season? Yeah, I've had some. I've met with Ian a couple times this year. Last time was right before he left for the Spangler Cup, um, and I've had some great feedback from players who were there. Um, Christopher Stieg as well. I'm really impressed with how good he played in that tournament. Um, and I know Ian follows our team closely, so I I don't want to speak for him, but my conversations with him have been very positive. He's uh, he knows our team well, and I think. You know, I think it's exciting to see some of our his um, fellow players from this summer's camp, uh, Boquist and Doc here, um, not only on the team but playing a big role. And I think when you watch, I was very impressed with he was a do- he dominated the games I saw at Denver this year. Um, he's such a good skater, very involved in the play. He does a little bit of everything for that team um, as their captain, and uh, I think you know it it bodes well for how he's going to be able to transition to the NHL. So I think his game lines up with exactly how we want to play. Um, he's he's a fun player to watch, and um, I wish he was here now. But uh, I understand, you know, being captain of your team, you want to go back and try to win the championship in the NCAA. So we wish them well. Uh, but when, whenever that time is right, you know, we're, we're going to be looking to bring them here. Hope you're a little bit informed. Uh, Stan isn't going to reveal his entire hand, obviously, and, and and quite simply, he has to see how these next two weeks play out, whether this team does gain a little bit more winning consistency and whether there is any realistic chance to make a, a chase for the playoffs or if he keeps seeing what we're continuing to see, 
that might change his outlook as well. There's a couple of routes to go. And, and just as an example, in terms of bringing in free agents-to-be that are on bad contracts with quote-unquote selling teams or uh, teams that aren't likely to re-sign some of these players uh, who might help the Blackhawks for a stretch run. Zach Bogosian of Buffalo is one guy. He's fallen out of favor in Buffalo, but could help a contending team before he becomes an unrestricted free agent in the summer. That would suit the Blackhawks if they wanted to go for it. Same thing for like a Sammy Votnin of New Jersey, who's a, you know, a, a solid top four defenseman who could conceivably help the Blackhawks, who then also comes off the books. Um, you know, If he is successful in helping to the playoffs, then you better not count on him re-signing here uh, based on the money he'll probably ask for. So those are a couple of examples of the decisions that Stan has to make here. All right, so let's get to the grand finale here and talk about what happened last Saturday night. Why I didn't have a Joe Brand here uh, on on a Blackhawks Crazy podcast, but uh, from everything I've gathered from the video that you sent me, uh, it sounded like everything went swimmingly well. And you just told me a short time ago you decided to go January 4th instead of January 11th and look at the fine weather we're enjoying here on January 11th. When we, when we booked it, and we had January 4th, we were expecting negative 10. And we said, you know what, if it's anything above that, it'll be good. And then all of a sudden Christmas hits, and we're talking about 60-degree weather, and then we started getting greedy, like, all right, no one's going to even need a jacket. Uh, perfect day, it really was. Uh, filled with family and friends, you know, it, everyone talks about the greatest day of your life, and... It's really true. It, it all happened. Not not a thing went wrong. I mean, at least in, in my eyes or, or to my knowledge, um, everything was fantastic. We had a Jim Cornelison surprise. Yeah, I was going to say, you had an anthem singer show up. Yeah, uh, fine work by my sister. She uh, she really set the bar high. Um, I think she wanted it at her own wedding, so she was kind of vicariously living through mine. But, uh, yeah, that was a surprise. Surprise to me. Surprise to every guest that was there. He came in and rocked the joint, uh, signed an American flag. That was, that was very, very cool. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate all your support with it, too. Uh, you, John, and Troy, uh, all giving me shout-outs on the air. So really, really appreciative of that. And uh, appreciate you uh, letting me skip a day on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I had to get, think long and hard about it, but I, I decided to give in. And, now I, I, I wish I wish you good luck the night before, and you texted back. I'm not feeling too nervous. Uh, did I read that correctly? Were, were there some nerves the night before? You know, no. I mean, that that was probably just what I was saying. I okay. no, I don't know. I, I was a little. I don't know if it was nerves, but it was it was a little anxiety. Just like, all right, yeah, this is all really happening. Here, here we go. I mean, I wasn't going to run out or anything, but you know, it's definitely. I think what it was was. Everybody looking at you all the time and asking, what do you need and, and how can I help you? And I'm just not used to that at all. I don't like doing that. And clanging their spoons against the drink glass. <laughs> oh, that's, that was not one of my favorite things. But yeah, I don't know. There's just little things like, oh, I need to know where these envelopes are. Oh, they're up there. And someone's like, I'll go get them. And normally it's just like, no, I, I just, I've got that control OCD where I need to know where everything's at and have a timeline. But boy, again, friends and family were, were, uh, top notch, and uh, the, the the day was perfect. Good, great, uh, great to hear that it was exactly that's that's what we were all hope hoping for you with uh, yourself and Allie, and hopefully, uh, yeah, it was the greatest day of your life, and uh, you'll savor that uh, you'll savor that forever. And you had a great day, 
weather-wise too, and, and that it all worked out. So uh, I, I'm trusting there there is a uh, there is a honeymoon at some point squeezed in between all your all your play-by-play and uh, Blackhawk reporting here and whatnot, and work over at WGN. We're on the Stan Bowman timeline. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll address it in February. There you go. There you go. So congratulations to you once again. Um, we appreciate uh, you coming back so quickly. Uh, I don't know if Allie does or not, but uh, in any event, um, great stuff and, and great to have you back and uh, uh, so happy for the for the two of you. So uh, great stuff here as well as we had a whole lot of ground to cover. Again, apologies for a bit of a more lengthy than usual podcast, but a lot of ground to cover, as we mentioned. And, of course, we, we have a little bit of a ways to go. Five games between now and our next podcast, the three on the road north of the border in Canada this week, and then the two home games capped off by Joel Quenville's return. And then after that, it's the all-star break, so we might as well get all this in before our next podcast, which will probably be just as long as well. Uh, I want to thank uh, our producer, Curtis Koch, for putting this all together. Ernie Scatton, as always. Again, our presenting sponsor, FanList, we really appreciate it. And, of course, we appreciate the questions that came in to all of you for listening. We encourage you to subscribe on iTunes backslash Apple Podcast. And as always, when we post this, we'll tweet it out, Joe Brand and I, as well as Curtis Koch and WGN Radio Sports. And you can also find the link on WGNRadio.com. So again, appreciate you uh, sitting through with us. Lots of stuff to talk about, and we no doubt will have a whole lot more to talk about on our next podcast when we bring it to you on Wednesday, January 22nd, following Q's return, and as the Blackhawks head into their all-star break. Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter, at Bowden Tweets, and at Joe underscore brand one. That was great!